Well, before we get started this morning, uh, I do have a couple of things I want to share with you, and uh, then we'll get started in God's Word this morning. And uh, we uh, talked about it as a staff, and uh, one of the things that we're planning on doing, we want you to go ahead and mark it in your calendar. Uh, We didn't get it in the bulletin this week, Uh, but December the 1st, uh, what we're wanting to do uh, on December the 1st is kind of have a a homecoming. All right, how many of you remember homecoming? Anybody remember homecoming? How many of you like to eat? Now you remember homecoming, all right? Uh, we want to do kind of like a homecoming. In other words, uh, was told, uh, we've talked about it in staff meeting. Uh, they said there have been a lot of people that have been coming back from, that have gone, left a couple of months ago or even years ago. And what we want to say to you today is welcome home. We're, we're glad you're back. And uh, just know you're welcome. And we, we want you to come eat with us. You know, we're Baptist, right? So we'll have some fried chicken. That, that's got to be on the menu. If it's not on the menu, you're just not Baptist, all right? So, uh, but we want you to come. We want you to be a part of us. We're planning that December the 1st, and uh, we're working on a few other things to really just make that day uh, spectacular. And so we're just excited and so excited to have you back with us this morning, and, and hopefully you'll show up on December the 1st and, uh, and eat alongside of us. But uh, we're also just thankful. I, I've been talking to Miss Rachel. She's got this uh, toy drive that's going on. If you have your bulletins, you'll find in there about the toy drive. And uh, this is such a great ministry that we're wanting to do. Uh, you've seen boxes. They're all over the place. You fill those boxes up. Bring in your, uh, your unwrapped toys, all right? We don't want used toys. We want your unwrapped toys. They're, they're brand new Put them in the box so that we can get those to kids and help them out. So if you can help out with that, we would greatly appreciate that. And uh, this morning, uh, my family's uh, excited. Uh, our daughter uh, is able to be here this morning. And uh, this is her first time being able to be with us. She, she's uh, away from college uh, for a little bit. And so she was excited to be able to come this morning. So y'all make sure you make her welcome. Come up and, and shake her hand and get to know her a little bit. So... But we're going to continue our series this morning as we can talk about running the race. And uh, uh, how many of you in here, let me just ask this question. How many of you in here are runners? Any runners in here? Okay, do not ask me to go running with you, okay? I don't, I want the people that walk, all right? Uh, Running has never really been my thing. I mean, I have done it a few times, and I told you last week about uh, prepping for a 5K, and, you know, here's the thing. That was years ago, so guess what? I can't do it today, all right? Uh, but I, I had to run. Now, how many of you uh, played football? Anybody here play football? All right. A lot of you guys play football. I play football. And uh, our football coach, he actually made us run track if we didn't play baseball. How dare him? You know, he made us run track. He wanted us to keep in shape. And so I didn't mind running track. I went out there and I did my two events that I loved. I did the long jump and the triple jump. I know that just shocks you, right? You're looking at me like, how can you jump? I did. I was very good. I was a good long jumper, a good triple jumper. And then, but that wasn't enough for our coach. And so he said, here, you need to run an event as well. And I thought, okay, 100-yard dash. That works for me. I can get it over and done with. And he goes, no, we need somebody to run the 800-yard run. Where's he at? You know, so I had to run 800. If you know what that is, that's, that's two laps around the track, two laps around the football field. And I'm sitting there, I'm thinking to myself, brother, you got to be kidding me. You don't want this guy trying to truck around two laps. 
I did pretty good for the first lap, but, you know, I had, I had two things on my mind when I was running a race because we all ran together, guys and girls. Two things were on my mind. Number one, don't come in last place, right? I knew I wasn't going to win, so it was don't come in last place. Y'all know what number two was? Don't get beat by any girls, <laughs> right? Now, for the first lap, I had them. I was trucking along doing good, but I didn't get that second win on lap number two, and here come the first girl, and the second, and the third, and I'm going, Coach, what are you doing? I am not the guy for this race. But let me tell you something. A lot of us run that 800-yard or 800-meter run like I ran. We run our Christian lives a lot like that as well. You think about that. We're just sitting there thinking, well, as long as I don't come in last place, you know, as long as I'm better than brother so-and-so, I'll be all right. You know, if, if God's going to let him in, he's certainly going to let me in, right? We, we run our race like that. We start to think to ourselves, well, you know, as long as I can beat a few other people. And so we start measuring ourselves by other people in the church. Can I tell you something? Don't measure your Christian walk by other people in the church. Measure your Christian walk by the one who walked for you, and that's Jesus. That's where we need to be running the race. And the truth of the matter is that so many people are sitting back there thinking about the race of their life and their Christian walk, and they are missing what God is desiring for them to do. God wants us to get out there and run. He wants us to run with passion. He wants us to run with intention. And he wants us to win the race that he has set before us. And so today we're going to talk about how to have the right fundamentals when it comes to running. So this morning we're going to look at three essentials to running the race. Look at me in Hebrews 12. We're going to begin at the beginning of verse 1 with having the right attire. It says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. Wherefore, I always, I always love that word there. In fact, most translations use the word therefore. When I was in school, they always taught us that you find out what the word therefore is therefore. And the purpose is it's kind of leading you back to the last chapter. What he's saying is, therefore, because you've seen these great witnesses of the faith, because you've looked at Abel and the way he sacrificed, because you've looked at Enoch and the way he walked, because you have looked at Noah and the way he built the ark, because you've looked at Moses and how he led the people of Israel into the promised land, because you've looked at these great saints of the faith. And because of that, he says this, and what more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson, of Japheth, of David, also in Samuel and of the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant of flight, turned to flight the armies of aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, were tempted, were slain with a sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, and tormented. In other words, he said, because we've seen these great examples, because they encompass us, they surround us, let's run the race. In other words, we've seen great men and women of God who have run the race before them. Let's keep running the race. It's kind of like a, when you go out, you ever seen those relay races? You ever seen those? Nobody's ever seen a relay race, are you, are you asleep already? This is not good. 
You think about it, the relay races, they have the, the batons, right? You've seen them, and they run, and the guy's coming up to the next one. He reaches his hand back as he's running. He grabs the baton, and he takes off. The problem is, as many of us have just dropped the baton. We've stopped running the race. We're like, well, it was run good before us. We'll just let them have their victory. The problem is, if they passed on the baton to you, the race isn't over. And you could cause your entire team to lose because you don't get in the race. We've got to grab the baton and we've got to keep trudging forward. He said, because these people have set the example before us, because they've encompassed us with so great a cloud of witnesses. You ready for this? Let us lay aside every weight. Let us lay aside every weight. Now, I want you to think about this. Have you ever seen track runners? This is why I didn't like track. I'm a man. I don't wear short shorts. I want them, you know, like right to my knees. I, I just don't, you know, where they're, I just don't want to do that. Some of you guys might be like, well, brother, I, I love them shorts. Welcome to womanhood then. But you think about it. But when you're running a race, guess what? They would, they would have us, you know, we have on track suits. And before we get into the race, we take off the track suits. And maybe when you were practicing running, you put on those ankle weights. You ever seen those? And you wear those ankle weights and you would tie yourself down. You would run with a heavy load on you. But here's the thing. What you would do before you get into a race when you wanted to win, you'd strip it all off. And you'd have this paper-thin shirt on, these little short shorts, and you would run with full intention. You had to have on the right clothes. You'd set aside those things that ensnared you, that hindered you. You would take them off. I remember I was teaching a, a thing called Youth for Christ at the local middle school. It was one of the things I used to love to do in North Carolina. We'd have about 300 students in the gym. Well, one day I challenged one of the football players to a race. I challenged him. Now understand, this guy was the running back, and he just smoked everybody. And here's this, this old white guy challenging this running back to a race. It was not going to be pretty, but I had to make it fair, all right? So you know what I did? I took a backpack full of weight, and I put it on him. I said, now I'll race you. And he was, he was all excited. He thought, man, I'm going to smoke him. You know, he's going to have to get up there and teach after I blow him out of the water. I took that backpack and I stuffed it. I mean, there was probably 50 pounds. That kid probably weighed 50 pounds wet. I mean, I packed that backpack full just as much as I could in that backpack to make sure that it was heavy on him. You know what? I barely beat him. And I mean barely beat him. But here was the point. The point was is if he was going to beat me, he had to remove that weight. Those things that ensnare us, those things that keep us from running the race. And the truth is, here's the thing. The weight that oftentimes we've got to lift off of ourselves can even be good things. Can even be good things. You want to know why? Because they're not the best. Have you ever realized that oftentimes you will substitute the things that God has for you for good things? You know, it's not bad to do some good things. It's not bad to spend time for yourself. It's not bad for you to take a break. But let me tell you what's best for you. Staying in the Word of God. Spending time in prayer. Sharing the gospel with people. Those are the things that are best for our lives. Leading our families in the ways of God. These are the things that God desires for us. And so those things that will lead us away from that, even though they might be good things, oftentimes they can be weights that can ensnare us from the race that keeps us from running for God. 
So even the weights can be good things. They can even be things that we enjoy. Can I tell you something? I love golf. I'm terrible at it. But it improves my prayer life so much. Because I just beg God for one good shot. That's all I want. Just one to bring me back. It was so funny. When I, when I went to Alabama and I went to that church, a, a friend of mine, we became really good friends. He said, I want to take you golfing. I said, awesome. I love to golf. So we went together. We went to this course, Limestone Springs, beautiful golf course. And I thought, why did you bring me here to wreck this golf course? And he got us out there, and he made the statement. He said, brother, he said, he said, I'm here to find out one thing. I said, what's that? He said, I'm here to find out if you're a good preacher. I thought, what do you mean by that? He said, well, here's what I mean by that. And he told me. He said, I figure if you're a good golfer, you don't spend enough time in your study. He found out I must spend a lot of time in my study. <laughs> it's not that it's a bad thing. Sometimes those good things can ensnare us and they can keep us from doing what God wants us to do. But look at the second part of this. He goes, not only is it the weights, he says, and the sin which doth so easily beset us. A lot of you have talked about the repentance guide that I passed out last week. Anybody enjoy that? Amen. Oh, if you enjoyed it, I'm sorry. That was supposed to hurt. It got close. There we go. That's what it is. It's not easy, is it? It's not easy. Oh, man, when you start to get serious about your sin. But here's the thing. The thing that I have found when I get serious with God about my sin and I begin to pour it out and repent and ask God to forgive me, there's just a freeing. There's a burden that's lifted off of me. And I feel so free to run the race that God has set before me. You see, in Isaiah chapter 59, verses 1 and 2, Isaiah talks about it in there. That here's the problem. Our sin can frustrate our relationship with God. And it's not that God can't hear us when we pray. It's that God refuses to answer our prayers when our hearts are wrong. When there's sin, God will not answer your prayer with a positive. He wants you to remove the sin from your life. He doesn't want that to ensnare you, to entangle you, to take you down the wrong path. But here's the beauty of it. 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9 says what? Amen. Oh, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Isn't it amazing that when you go to God and you ask him for forgiveness, God, God, some people have the wrong mindset of God. They almost have this idea that God is seated on his throne and he's just looking down on every one of us waiting for us to mess up, right? So he can go zap. Oh, you messed up? Bad things are going to That's not the God I serve, is it? Is that the God you serve? The God I serve is looking down because his desire is to what? Get our relationship right with him. It's to free us. It's to show us grace and mercy and love. Here's the truth. Now, if we won't repent, guess what? God will bring his wrath down on us. But his desire is for us to repent. He wishes for all to repent and that none should perish. His desire is to see us free from sin. He wants to take that weight, that heavy load that's on us and free us. You see, that's the beauty of it. But we've got to have the right attire. I think about this passage in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 20 and 21, where Paul says this, But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, 
He shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, and meet for the master's use, and prepared for unto every good work. Can I tell you something? I don't want to be a vessel that God just sets on the shelf. I want to be a vessel in the hands of the potter. I want him to continue to mold me and make me and use me. I want to be a vessel for his glory and his honor. Not mine, his glory and his honor. But in order to do that, I must what? Get rid of those things that encumber me. Those sins that keep me far from him. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, if you can understand one thing today, understand this. God loves you. And he wants to free you from whatever is encumbering you and get you in the race. We need to have the right attire. Number two, we need to have the right mindset. Look at the end of verse one. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. You need to understand what the word race comes from. It comes in the Greek word as agon, where we get our word agony. I'm going to tell you, running is agony, isn't it? It can be. The idea here is that he wants us to get in the race. Get in the race. Can I tell you something? You're not in the race if you're not a child of the king. And so often people sit back and they say, well, I just want to reflect on that. I just, all I want to do is, is I don't mind being a spectator. I'll watch. You guys run. I'll watch. And we'll see what happens. The problem is, is if you watch so long and you never get in the race, one day you're going to stand before God and he's going to say, depart from me for I never knew you. God wants us in the race. He wants us running. He wants us moving. In fact, he says we got to run the race with patience. Now, how many of you love patience? How many of you have ever prayed for patience? If you have, you are foolish. You say, why am I foolish? Because what you are praying for is for God to bring tribulations on your life. Because patience means to suffer a long time. I am not Job. No, thank you. I don't want to learn patience that way. I learn patience in traffic. That's enough. (laughs) But he says, run the race with patience. The word patience comes from the word hupamon, which means to have steady determination to keep going. Can I tell you, when I ran that 800-meter run, there were many a time I just wanted to lay on the track. I was ready to quit. I was hoping the coach would tell me, don't ever run that race again. I was hoping he would look at me and go, son, you are getting beat by girls. Hang it up. But he never did that. There were times where I would just try to run as hard as I could. After getting through lap one, I was breathing so heavy, I thought I was going to die. And so often people do the same thing. They're in the race of the Christian walk, and they're just ready to quit. They're ready to give up. Can I tell you something, what it's going to take? It's going to take those of us that are in the race to pick them up and help carry them to the finish line. Now, I remember that young man that was running in the Olympics. You remember when he blew out, I think it was his, uh, his tendon, and he blew it out, and his father went running out there on the track? Because his son wouldn't come off the track till he finished the race. And the father come up there and he was, he was pushing everybody away because he didn't want to give up. Even though the race was over, he was not done. And his father come out there and he put his son under his arm and he carried him all the way to the finish line. And we could learn a lot from that. That if you see a brother or sister that's hurting, 
You see a brother or sister that's fallen away. You see a brother or sister that's not walking like what they used to walk. Go and put your arms around them and carry them to the finish line. Help them through the race. That's what we're called to do, to work together. we got to do this with patience. We've got to endure. We've got to strive. We've got to run. You want to know why we got to run? Because we're running for a prize. Did you know that? 1 Corinthians 9, verse 24 and 25 says this. Know ye not that they which run in a race all run, but one receiveth the prize. So run that you may obtain. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. You see, all they wanted was this little laurel wreath little fig leaf that went on top of their head. That was their crown. That was their trophy that eventually would fade away. It would die. It would no longer look precious to them. That's all they were running for was just a little crown to put on their heads in the Isthmian games. We're running for an imperishable crown. We're running for a crown that will never fade away. We're running for a crown so that one day when we receive it, when we with the angels are praising God, we can lay them at his feet. We're competing for that. I want to obtain the prize. I want to one day stand before God and he say these words, well done, thy good and faithful servant. That's what I'm working for. Not for myself, not for anybody else, but to hear those words from God Almighty. That's what it's all about. We've got to run the race with patience. If ever there was a man who ran the race with patience, Moses would be a good one. You look in Hebrews 11, beginning verse 24. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect under the recompense of the reward. By faith, he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. In other words, his point was simply this. He could have accepted the riches of Egypt. He could have had an easy life. Things could have been just fine for Moses. But it wasn't enough. He knew that he could have had the riches of Egypt. He could have had gold. He could have had all kinds of blessings because he was basically second in command. But instead of being that, instead of being satisfied with those things, his desire was to compete for the prize that only comes from God. He was willing to give it all up. How about Paul? You want to talk about a man that ran race with patience. All you got to do is turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. 2 Corinthians 11 verses 23 to 27. Listen to this. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. In labors more abundant. In stripes above measure. In prisons more frequent. In deaths oft. Of the Jews, five times received I forty stripes, save one. Thrice I was beaten with rods, once was I stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I've been in the deep. In journeyings often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils by my own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. And yet, he kept on. You couldn't keep a good man down. They stoned him in a city and left him for dead. And what did he do? He got right back up and he went back in the city. How many of you go where you've been stoned? Anybody? Man, when my daddy would beat me with a belt, I wouldn't go back to the bedroom for more. He did. 
He went right back into the same city that stoned him and threw him out. You want to know why? Because his desire was to win every single person in that city to Jesus Christ. He ran the race with patience. He wasn't concerned about his own body. He was only concerned with making Christ known. You see, that's what we've got to do. We've got to have the right mindset. I don't know about you, but I like to win. Anybody else in here like to win? There's not one time I've ever played a sport where I thought to myself, I think I want to lose. I don't, I never, I don't know of too many people that do. Maybe it's because you got a participation trophy, but I work for mine. I work for mine. I wanted to win. I wanted the trophy. I wanted the MVP award. I'd do whatever it took. I mean, I worked hard. I want to win. And when it comes to the ways of Christ, I want to win for that too. You want to know what a win is? Seeing somebody in that baptistry every single week. That's a win. That's a win. You want to know what else I want to see? I want to see our Sunday school classes filled to the brim. I saw a lot of chairs in my class that I went to today. There's a lot of chairs. If you don't have a Sunday school class, come with me. Let's go. I'll go with you wherever. Come to discipleship training. Be a part of these things. You see, that's the thing. I want to win. I want to grow. I want to get closer to God. How about you? I want to run the race the way God intended it to be ran. I want to have the right mindset. Lastly, we have the right example. Look with me in verse 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Let me tell you something. We serve a winner. He is the greatest winner there has ever been. Looking unto Jesus in other words, look at what he's done for us. Can you imagine what he's done for you? Look at what it says here. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Do you understand that he who started the work in you is going to finish it? If he's gotten started, he's not done. I love the old children's song. How many of you ever sing it? He's still working on me to make me what I ought to be, Right? He's still working. You wonder why? Because I'm not a finished work yet. When, I'm, when he's finished with me, I'll be in the ground. I've had people tell me, oh, Brother John, oh, you just don't realize I have done my time. I've heard that. There was a lady that told me at my very first church, we went to her and we said, hey, we are needing some help with children's church. And can I tell you something? I love children's church. Love it. And we went to them, we said, we need some help with children's church. And that was the words out of her mouth. She said, I have done my time. And I remember looking at her and I said, Jerry, if you've done your time, God's going to put you in the ground. And she emphasized, I have done my time. A few months later, I buried her. If you think you're done, none of us are done. Not until we breathe our last breath. We still have work to do. We've got to look unto Jesus, the author and finisher. It also says the perfecter of our faith. He will perfect you. He will change you. He will move you. You will never be the same when Jesus gets a hold of you. He's going to finish the work he started. But I love this. Look at this. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. You ever thought about that? It says for the joy. What kind of joy would you think Jesus would get from the cross? You think about Jesus' prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane, right? He agonized. 
In fact, Luke tells us he agonized in such a way that sweat and blood poured from his forehead. You know what that is? That is intense stress where the capillaries in your forehead burst and they mix into your sweat glands and it looks like blood is dripping from your forehead. This was a great work he was getting ready to do on the cross. He knew what was getting ready to take place. He knew that the moment sin, that he became our sin, because that's what the Bible says, he became our sin, that the Father would forsake the Son. Why do you think Jesus said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Because he became our sin. But it says for the joy. You want to know what the joy was? The joy wasn't what he was about to face. Because he said what? Lord, if you would let this cup but pass, but nevertheless, not my will be done, but yours be done. He knew the intensity, but he also knew the goal in the end. The joy was what that work would accomplish. It would make you and me be able to be in the presence of God. You see, without his sacrifice, I would never be able to stand before God. You know how I can stand before God? We talked about this, 2 Corinthians 5.21. He made him who knew no sin to become sin for us, that we might have the righteousness of Christ in him. I am robed in the righteousness of Christ. That's the joy. The joy that was set before him was the renewal that would take place in the life of the believer. That we would be redeemed. That we would be able to stand before God. We have him as our example. He never once turned away from the will of the Father. He never once wanted to get out of the race. He never once asked God, take this away. He knew what he had to do. And he was willing to do it for us. That's the example that we have. He went all in. And it says, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. I'm going to tell you something. Because we need to get this straight because... I was always taught this when I was growing up. We ask Jesus into our hearts, right? The Bible says, where is he seated at? At the right hand of God. I don't know who comes into our hearts. It's the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. Jesus is our intercessor. He prays for us at the right hand of God. He goes before us when our adversary is accusing us. He's seated at the right hand of God. You say, well, what does that matter? Well, here's why it matters. The seat of honor was always to the right. He's seated in the seat of honor. He's seated in the seat of power. Most of the times, the prince was seated to the right. He's seated there so that he can share with God what he's done for us. Now, please understand, it's not that God's forgotten. He doesn't forget. But he's seated at the right hand, and he intercedes for you and for me. Because the accuser wants to destroy our relationship with God. Look at this, verse 3. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. In other words, when you feel like giving up, think about Jesus. He never gave up. Isn't it amazing that he says this, He tells us in the race, he says, when you feel wearied and faint in your mind. Why? Because he understands that as we run the race of Christianity, you ready for this? It is not always a bed of roses. 
Man, if it was just like what I've heard some preachers say, that, man, you're going to be the wealthiest you've ever been and you're going to be the healthiest you've ever been, can I tell you that people would not stop lining up to get saved? But that's not what he promises. He actually promises that if you desire to live godly, you'll be persecuted. He offers the exact opposite of what some preachers say because he wants us to understand that, guess what? We can walk in this life And it will be a great race and a perfect race if we are walking with the right person. Even when trials get difficult and hardships come our way, he will carry us through. I love an old song that says, I'd rather walk in the light with Jesus than walk in the dark on my own. Or walk in the dark with Jesus than walk in the light on my own. I would. I'd rather go through difficulties with the one who's going to carry me, who's going to watch over me, who's going to help me, than think I can do it on my own. We're going to go through hardships. But he says, look unto Jesus. Look unto the one who has paid for your sins. Look unto the one who loves you, who cares for you, who died for you, who will do anything for you. Look unto him, and he will help you finish your race strong. I want to be like Paul. I want to come to the end of my life knowing that my life is just about over, and say that I have finished the race. I want to know that I have crossed the finish line. And I want to know that I'm going to receive that great prize. Well done, that good and faithful servant. Are you running today with the right fundamentals? Do you have on the right attire? Are the things that are hindering you from the race that God has called you to? Is there sin in your life that needs to be repented of so that you can get things right with the Lord? Are you, do you have on the right attire? Do you have the right mindset? Are you running with patience? Do you realize that it's going to be difficult? Do you realize that you've got to keep up in the race? Do you got to keep going? Are you desiring to finish? And not just finish, but finish strong. Do you have the right example? Are you looking unto Jesus? The one who's already run the race. The one who's already crossed the line. The one who's already received that great prize. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. Are you running with the right fundamentals? In order for that to happen, first you've got to get in the race. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, get in the race. Start running. Start doing what God has called you to do. Get things right. But as Christians, you may say, I'm already in the race. Well, if you're struggling... And you feel like you're falling, grab somebody, bring them with you, pray with them, love on them, help them. Get in the race and run it like Jesus.